Well, thank you for that welcome. For those of you that don't know me, my name is uh, Mark Werner. I'm one of the elders here at the church, and uh, it's a it's a privilege to be able to uh, bring a message to you for our, our first week uh, our first week back together as a full congregation, and uh, and it's. Uh, Pretty exciting to, to see everybody here today. I wasn't sure when we'd be able to get back together, but we're getting back together. We, it's a few little social distancing issues, but nothing too serious, and, and so I, I, I'm, I'm really pleased that we're back together. Um, I've titled this message, Are You Effective or Are You Distracted? And I thought that this would be a good message for this time because we're living in a time right now that is like no other time that I can ever remember in my entire life. Um, we've got a bunch of issues that we're faced with on a daily basis, and um, as Christians, we're being drawn into all kinds of different, different things, um, taking different stances in different areas, and, and things like, like, like never before. You know, we have the COVID crisis going on, and, uh, and, and Christians are taking a strong stance in that. You have many Christians that are, that, that are all 100% mask all the time, never leave the house, um, six-foot distancing at all times, and never touch anybody again. And then you have some on the other end of the spectrum that, are, that think that this is all a big hoax, and, and the government is here to take us down and control us, and and, 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 and not allow us to, to, to worship together and do the things we want to do. And then you have uh, uh, um, all various groups all within that that are Christians that, that are taking various stances, whether it be, uh, um, um, you know, masks are okay sometimes, you know, I don't want to infect anybody, you know. So, so it's, it's really all over the place. And Christians are in each of these groups, and they want their voice heard, and they want to feel justified in their case. And then we have um, the protests with the social injustice going on. And we have groups that, 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 that are peacefully, peacefully um, um, protesting the social injustices in our country. Then you have groups that are a little bit more aggressively protesting the social injustice in our nation. And then you have protesters that are protesting the protesters about this, that are protesting the social injustice. And in all of those groups, you have Christians. You have people that are godly Christians in each one of those groups that are taking a stand for their cause. And then, of course, there are the political battles that are going on. Political battles like nothing I have ever seen. The line is drawn firm. There is mudslinging and finger pointing. And, and I don't know that our political parties have ever been this divided in the past. And there has been so much bitterness and, 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 and so much hatred towards the other party that I can ever remember. And on both sides, in both parties, there are Christians wanting their voice to be heard, trying to justify their cause. And, and we wonder what is right. 
You know, throughout each of these groups, and there are many more, we find many Christians, many godly Christians, that, that want their voice to be heard, that want to make sure that they're on the right stance, that have invested much time and energy in each of these areas. And I'm not here to, to, to tell you which is right or which is wrong or determine, you know, who's, who's standing on the right side or who's standing in the right area. Because I know that Christians are very passionate people and we're very passionate about what we believe in. But I am here to share that, that we can't let our passion get in the way of the one thing that God is passionate about. And that is the soul of another person. And so when I, when, when, when I look at all these things going on, there's so many distractions that can actually keep Christians from doing the one thing God called us to do. All right. Scripture I'm going to look at today is 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 1 through 13. I'll be reading out of the NIV, if you have that. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all of Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, so Paul went in to or so Saul went in to relieve himself. Even back then, we, you know, <laughs> you do what you, yeah, you do what you have to. So David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord anointed, or lay my hand on him. And he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My lord the king, when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face on the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay a hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father... Look at this piece of robe in my hand. I cut it off the corner of your robe, but I did not kill you. See, there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. By my hand, I will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers comes evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. So if you're not familiar with this story, it was soon after David had, had killed Goliath that Saul took David in, and, and or, yeah, Saul took David in, and David stayed with, with, with Saul. And uh, 
David became a faithful servant to Saul, and, and he would go out and he would, uh, he, would, he would lead battles for Saul, and he conquered, you know, enemy after enemy after enemy after enemy. And so David was finding favor in the people. David was finding more favor in the people than what Saul was finding. And so Saul became very jealous and set out to kill David. And so, and so Saul was an enemy of David. He was, he was public enemy number one. And so David, who is accustomed to killing people, he, 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 he's good at what he does. He slew, he slew Goliath. He's, he's, he's led numerous, numerous victories. So David's pretty good at killing. This is what he does. And he has this option to take down enemy number one, and he passes on it. He passes on it because he was seeking after something bigger. He was seeking after God. You know, when we give our lives to Christ, the enemy no longer possesses them. And, and so, so, so that's one soul that's going into heaven that, that, that he has no more control over. But he will continue and tirelessly try to ruin your witness so that you cannot lead others to the kingdom. Satan's been doing this a long time. He's been, he, he's, he's been doing this longer than, uh, that, that, than what we've been trying to establish a witness. So he's very good at what he does. And if he can't ruin your witness then he's going to distract you. He's going to distract you into something else to keep you from being effective. Satan literally has a burning desire to see that none of us ever increase the kingdom. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, it says, I know the deeds that, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of your mouth. Yeah, we're not neither hot nor cold, and, and Jesus is about, or God wants to spit us out of his mouth. In, in, in the King James Version, uh, the Bible says spew, and spew means to vomit. So when, when I read this scripture, I think about the word spew, and I think about, you know, if, I, if I'm lukewarm or if I'm a cold Christian, I kind of make God sick. He wants more than that. He wants more than that from us. He expects more than that from us. And, and if Satan can't destroy our witness, or he can't destroy our testimony, then he's going to distract us. He'll distract us with things of this world so that we do not win souls. You know, Satan's perfectly fine with us coming to church. He's perfectly fine with us paying our tithe. He's perfectly fine with us going out to Sunday dinner with, all, with people from church. But he's not fine if we share the gospel and, and we drag another soul into the kingdom with us. And so we have to look at our life sometime and see where do we sit in all of that? Are we living distracted? Are we living effective?
you know, how often do we get drawn into earthly things, even things that aren't that bad? In fact, we can spend an awful lot of time on good things and miss loads of opportunity to do things for the kingdom of God. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What's going on right now in our, in our society? There's a lot of earthly things going on. There are a lot of things that are distracting Christians. That are pulling our focus away. And it seems like the more that happens, the more we get drawn into these things, and we're missing the one thing that we're called to do. I've come up with, uh, you know, I, I come up with, with five things that help us to, to be effective for Jesus and to, and to help put away some of those distractions. Because I'm human like everybody else, and I get distracted. I have thoughts, I have opinions, I have feelings. And I feel strongly about certain things. And, and I get distracted just like everybody else. So this is one of the ways that we can live a more effective Christian life. And I picked out five things. And number one is have a daily devotional time. We need to have a daily devotional time. If, if, if you're a Christian and, and, and you're struggling with that, it's so important in, in our walk. Um, God desires a relationship with you. And if we do not have that time with him, we're not building that relationship. And it's not good enough to give God just whatever time's left over, whatever time that we're not busy with. It's important to set aside a special time for God. And that's where he works in our life. When we make sacrifices, when... when when you make great sacrifices, then there's great blessing in return. How, how, how did my wife know? How does Patty know that I like her? I spend time with her. I need to spend time with her. That's so important. And it's so easy to get distracted and not put the time into that. And that's how our Heavenly Father feels too. How do you know if somebody enjoys working out? How do you know if that's important to somebody? They're at the gym at 4 a.m. That's how you know. The guys that are at the gym at 4 a.m., they're serious about it. That's important to them. How do you know somebody's committed to their work? They show up early. They stay late. They spend time in it. They're good at it. How do you know somebody's committed to Jesus? Oh, we show up to church once a week. Um, you know, I'll sing a little bit, and I'll look at Twitter on my phone. If it's important to us, we'll commit to it, and we'll do something about it. Because the things that, we're, that are important to us we're committed to, we do something about it. How can we not give God a little bit of time 
but it's something that he gave everything to us for. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the blessing in return. You know, can we give up, can we go to bed 15 minutes early so that we can get up 15 minutes early to spend a little bit of extra time with God? Can we put our phone down 15 minutes early and go to sleep and get to sleep so that we can get up early to give God what, what God deserves? Psalms 5.3 says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you. I wait expectantly. It's important to have a daily devotion time. It's so important. If you want to be effective. Number two, talk to God throughout the day. It's so important to talk to him because you go through so many different transitions through the day. You know, take, it, take additional time. Turn the radio down when you're driving and talk to God. You know, go out and mow the grass and, 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 and talk to God. When you're running the sweeper, talk to God. Share with him your concerns throughout the day. Allow him to influence your life. And then take time to listen. Allow God to fill your heart and mind with his assurance. Just slow down a little bit. Get quiet. A relationship with God requires talking. It requires listening. We need to be good at both of those. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Number three, take time to praise God. Take time to praise God every single day, throughout the day, all the time. Take a look around at the blessings in your life. Praise him that even though you hate your job, you have a job. You can praise him that I was able to pay my bills this month. You could praise him that I was able to pay one bill this month. But praise God for something. Praise him that you didn't say that one word that you always say when you get mad. And the more you praise him, the more in your life you will find to praise him. The more you praise him, the more you will find in your life to praise him. There are over a hundred verses in the Bible that speak about praising him. Praising him is important. It changes your outlook. Number four is bless someone else. There is something that happens deep down in the soul when you bless someone else. There is something unexplainable that happens. When you, when you choose to bless someone with no strings attached, just because that's the heart that God has given you, it makes a difference. Not only for the person you're blessing, but it makes a huge difference to yourself. It's important to bless those that desperately need it. 
And chances are, if you can't find them, then you're not looking around because they're there. They're there everywhere. They're in this church. They're in our community. They're in our neighborhood. And it's not enough just to say, hey, I'll pray for you. Provide a physical need for someone. And that's something that we should wake up every day looking to do. It changes our outlook. It changes our thought process. There's something that happens when you look to somebody else's needs that the needs in your own life do not seem so big anymore. And we no longer bring all of our attention to our inside and our own needs and what's ailing me and what's hurting me and what I'm disgruntled about and what I'm upset about. We no longer bring those to myself, to ourselves and, we, and those that no longer consume us. But when we become consumed with the needs of others, then we are transformed into the heart of God. And that's what he desires. At first, stepping out and, and trying to bless someone might seem a little uncomfortable, but only for a second. Because when you bless somebody else, somebody will see the heart of Jesus. And we wear the name of Christian, and we are God's hands and feet. And what do we want them to see when they look at us? Do they want them to see all, us and all of our flaws and all of our self-absorption? Self or do they want us to see the Father? It's so important. Matthew 25, verses 39 through 40 says, When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And this is always a good verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's a good way to not be distracted, but be effective. And number five, ask Jesus. Ask Jesus about the big things, ask Jesus about the little things, ask Jesus throughout the day about everything. Seriously, ask Jesus. We get on this emotional roller coaster and, 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 and our world is like this all the time and we're feeling pulled this way, pulled that way. We've got opinions about this, we've got thoughts about this, you know, we got things that, that, hey, you know, I'm a Christian and I feel this way, so this must be right. Or, and, you know, and this is constantly going on. But when we slow down and we ask Jesus deeply, what is the right answer for this situation? It's amazing. It's amazing how he directs and leads our lives when we, when we are open to him. Remember those little wristbands they used to wear on your wrist? What would Jesus do that would help people? They would look at that and they would remember every choice, every decision, every thought, everything that I do, this wristband reminds me to do what Jesus would do. And when we do that, we take on his character more and more. I had a, uh, I had a little instance happen to me here recently um, where, where you, know, being, you know, I get distracted like anybody else and I can be distracted. 
but I, I, I was going through something, and, and when they were making masks a mandate, I was, I was very irritated. I was very mad. I'm going to be honest. I hate wearing this thing. I, don't, I do not like it. And I don't like it because I'm, I'm, I'm made in the flesh. I don't like somebody telling me what I can or can't do. I don't have somebody telling me that, that I don't know how to not sneeze on somebody. You know, I, I find myself, I wouldn't wear this into the grocery store, but I'd be at the end of the aisle, and I'd see there'd be three people in the aisle, but I'd need something down at the other end. So I'd hold my breath, and I'd walk all the way down the end, just so I wouldn't affect anybody, just because I was being conscious of that. But I really, really did not like wearing this for that reason there. And for another reason is, I think that if, if I wear this, I'm showing people that God can't, God can't take care of me. God can't heal me. Because I truly believe that, that God's got a plan for me, and he's got a plan for each one of you. And this here is just a distraction. But, but I'm talking to God, and I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like, Jesus, how do you feel about masks? How do you feel about that? As a Christian, I want to do the right thing. I want to do what is right. Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? And, 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 and uh, as I asked him about that, and, and I was quiet for a while and just kind of sorting through that, he goes, Mark, this is a mask. I'm not concerned about the mask because I'm concerned about your heart. It's not about a mask. It's not about six feet. He goes, my focus is your heart. Where is your heart? And then he took me to the scripture in Romans 13 where it talks about where we should obey the authorities and obey the government so that we allow our God to be glorified. So I wear a mask. I had another instance that, that I was struggling with, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan like a lot of people, um, and there's one thing, I was never in the military, but I always honor the national anthem. I always honor that. I'll stand there, I'll put my hand on my heart, and I'll look to the flag, and my mind goes back to the mothers that have had to bury their sons. My mind goes to, uh, to, to, to the soldier laying in a muddy foxhole on Christmas Eve with rain pouring on him to protect the freedoms that we have in this nation. My mind goes to that. And so I, I was struggling with, with, with wanting to even support any type of sports with, with, some, of the, with, with some of the choices that, that I felt were being made concerning the national anthem. And I'm one of those people that, that, that I have a voice and I have a right, I have a wallet, and my wallet, I think, should, should be an extension of who I am and what I believe in and what I think. So, so if, if you're a business and you're strongly supporting and very vocal about things that I think are detrimental to, to a, a Christian walk or, or detrimental to Christian beliefs, there's a good chance I'm not going to support you because that's just the way I feel. I, you know, I don't dislike you. I don't or anything like that, but that's what I feel. And so I was really struggling with this, this issue, with this, the, 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 the social justice issue of people 
choosing to kneel during the national anthem. That really, really bothered me. And to the point that, 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 that I wasn't even going to watch any, any sports. I was fine with that. And so I, I thought for a minute. And, 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 and see, the, the, I'm not, I've not walked the same life that some, those people that are choosing to kneel have walked. I have not seen things like they've seen things. So I do not understand that completely. So I'm like, I'm like God, what, as a Christian, where am I on all this? Where should I be? What's my responsibility? And so I was thinking about this, and I was praying about this, and I'm like, I'm like what should I do? Because I want to be who you want me to be. And as I was talking to God, he, he said, he said, I am God, I'm bigger than this. He goes, it's not about kneeling. He goes, but Mark, you should kneel with them. He said, you should kneel with them. In fact, Mark, you should kneel with them, and you should lock arms with them. And then all of you should stand together. That's the heart of our God. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to be effective. He wants us to change lives. And we can sit, sit in, the, in, the, in the back and we can finger point and we can talk about this is wrong, that's wrong, and we can do all this. But God's desire is to change lives. And our focus can't be on these things that are distracting us all the time, but our focus has to be on God's kingdom. It's got to be beyond this world. And it's it's got to go to the kingdom. Ephesians 5, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave up himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. This is a very little sacrifice to define who God is in our life. It takes commitment, it takes effort, and it takes perseverance on our part to remain effective Christians for the kingdom of God. But it doesn't take so much to be effective Christians here on earth. To be effective Christian or the earth, you simply need to adopt the earth standard. But to be an effective Christian for the kingdom, you need to adopt kingdom standards in your life. You need to be above all the, all the things that are going on. Kingdom standards go beyond worldly standards as they surpass our normal thoughts and feelings and they allow God to do what he desires in our life so that he gets the glory. See, David was effective in the situation with Saul. David had a worldly or a godly kingdom understanding of what was going on in his life at that time, and that's where his focus was. And he chose the high road. He chose to respect and honor Saul for the position that he had in his life. And that led him to king of Israel. That led David 
to being a man after God's own heart. You know, we, we think about what a man after God's own heart is like. I think it's that instant right there that would define who he is. Because his enemy, the guy that has been frustrating him and chasing him and wanting to do away with him, was standing right in front of him for the taking. And David chose to go above that. He chose to focus on the kingdom. And because he chose to focus on the kingdom, the kingdom was prosperous. And the kingdom was glorified. But there was also a time in David's life when he was distracted. And we know that story too. He was distracted and he wasn't focused on the kingdom like he should have been focused on the kingdom, but he focused on other things. And we know that Bathsheba took his focus. And we all know the story of what happened where innocent people died because of David's choices. And at that time in David's life, that wasn't for kingdom glory. That was for David's glory. And so David had to go through a transition in his life to get back to where God wanted him to be. And it took David, because he was distracted, he had to recognize that he was distracted and he was focused on the wrong things. And he had to go through a season of growing because of that. And I find myself constantly being distracted and constantly having to go through a season of growing. But it's so important that we keep focused on the godly things, on the things of the kingdom, and not at all the little distractions going around. So my question to you is, are you effective? Or are you distracted? Where are we? I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Some days I'm distracted and I have to take a knee to put things back into perspective. But we need to have a kingdom perspective of what we're walking through. We... we if you've read the Bible, you know that this world is Satan's dominion. It's not ours. So the things that are going on shouldn't really surprise us so much. But we need to keep focused on the kingdom. We're going to go ahead and, uh, and close this time. I'm going to ask the worship. <laughs>